Would you stand please with me? Let's, let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for the word of God and we honor you for the sacrifice that you have given. We again thank you for Mother Carol being here and for her family. We thank you for the visitors and Brother Kenny and even through the physical difficulties and symptoms, you are still faithful and showing yourself as a great God that you are. We thank you that we can bring everything to you and that as a body we can uh, encourage one another. We are grateful to you that you allow us to be able to be ministered to and to minister to others. We pray that you will help us today to hear the word of God. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Matthew 14, beginning at verse 22. And then I'm going to also read a pat- one verse in St. John, chapter 6, verse 15. And this is what it says in Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately he spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, in other words, the effects of the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. St. John chapter 6, verse 15. St. John 6, 15, and you can follow me on the board here if you want to look up here and this is what St. John chapter 6 verse 15 says perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself as a title for this message It is in the will of God and in the midst of the sea. In the will of God and in the midst of the sea. Let me say a few things. Last week we were studying from the three, the four different accounts of the gospel that every, each of the gospels has the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. But when it comes to the matter of Jesus going out to walk on or going to the disciples when they're in the boat, Matthew, Mark, and John record that. Now, I don't believe I'm going to get through all of this, but just let me give you 
a few things as I give you the first point and, and head into the main body of the message. Matthew is the only gospel to record Peter walking on the water. None of the other gospels records that incredible event but Matthew. Matthew and Mark do not mention why the compelling of Jesus for the disciples to go get in the boat after he fed the 5,000. If we can take the snare off. Only Matthew, only John records the reason why. There's not the compelling reason given by Matthew nor Mark of why they were sent to the boat. One of the things that me also mentioned this is when we consider the disciples, they were initially sent over to the other side after John had been beheaded and after the disciples had come back from being sent out two by two and they came to give their report, Jesus said, go to the other side so you can rest. But when they got there, the crowd seeing them, they all came to Jesus and Jesus had compassion on them and he began to teach them and to heal them. The disciples we mentioned last week said, okay, it's getting late, Lord. Time for those people to leave and go get something to eat because we are in a desolate place. They need to go get something to eat. Jesus says, they don't need to go. You feed them. And the Lord, and you looked at some of the accounts that we just referenced, he, he phrased, he gave the statement to Philip. He said to Philip, how are we going to get enough bread to feed these people? But he already knew what he was going to do. We now come to the place now where the crowd has been fed and the Lord now urges the disciples to leave. And I mentioned last time that we have a problem brewing and that we would look at that this week. Point number one, danger on the horizon. Danger on the horizon. You'll find that in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, and St. John 6, 15. Maria, good to see you. Some people are oblivious to danger and continue to move straight ahead into the midst of it. They don't even see danger around. Last, a few nights ago, was it um, early, last week we were walking. We didn't get a chance to walk on last Monday because it was raining. So I think it was last Saturday. Now, at nighttime when we walk, we are lit up and people make various comments. They say, oh, I almost didn't see you as they walk by. Or, or where's the party at? And, and, and oh, oh, I thought it was a popo. And, and, and we've had all things. It, we just should make a journal of all the things that's been said. <laughs> it is incredible. And so on this particular day, Last week, we were walking, and we're about a mile and a half from the house. And I have my flashlight going in certain areas. You can turn it out because it's lighter. But on this day, we've been talking, and I was thinking about something, and my head was down while I was walking. And all of a sudden, I feel Mel go, oh, and she grabbed my arm. Like, what? There were a couple of raccoons directly in front of us. I did not see them, 
and I was walking straight ahead. It took her making this sound and grabbing me, and then immediately I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what. And she pointed out, and they scattered. I saw one, but, but there were two, at least two of them. And so we da- I dashed into the street. We're about to go to the other side. She said, want to go over there. It's darker on that side over there. And so as we looked to see if they had taken off, we walked in the street until we got past them. And for the rest of the journey, I have my flashlight on all the way. We can sometimes be oblivious to danger. I was walking along thinking everything was fine, fine, and lo and behold, there was danger possibly in front of me. I don't want to face a raccoon and it's cornered. You don't either. There are some people that somehow feel to make a change when danger is present shows weakness. When danger is present does not show weakness when you take measures to avoid the danger. But there are times when danger is on the horizon and there's nothing that you can do but go through the danger. Danger often suggests that dramatic steps need to be made to avoid or to avert further danger. You see, if you don't sometimes move out of the way when danger is there and you keep going, you will find yourself in a worse situation. It is oftentimes people who don't learn from the dangerous situation that they've been in that they go right back into it again. They don't learn, and so they head back into the same thing again. It was Jesus who perceived that after the feeding of the 5,000 plus the children and the women, that danger was on the horizon. But you don't see that necessarily when you come to Matthew and Mark, but you see it in the book of John. The Lord told his disciples to immediately, in Mark, get into the boat and go to the other side. You see, the people had just had their stomachs filled. You know, there are a couple of things that happen when people have food. When they become satisfied, they sit down, or stay sitting down if they're already sitting, and fall asleep. Most people, a lot of people will get, after a good meal, will sit back and put their head back and go off to sleep. And then there are times when people have had their feel that they'll go and decide that I'm going to go out and do something, just going to leave because I've had my feel. I'm going to go out now and get into some trouble. Not everybody, but some people. You see, Jesus, when he performed miracles, it was never for the purpose or the intent for people to go and do their own things. Whenever Jesus healed people, it was for the, for, it was for the healing of the person in order to bring relief to a suffering person. But it was also to bring honor and glory to God. It was to show that he indeed was sent from God and that the power that was, that was in him and being shown forth was to bring glory to the Almighty God. When the people had been filled, a problem arose because the people realized that when Jesus had told the disciples to go and see how much food is there. Go find out what's there. And out of over 10,000, 15, possibly 20,000 people, 
only one little boy brought a lunch. And as I told you last week, the disciple says, can we have your lunch, please? Jesus needs it. And so this boy gives the lunch. And after the people realize what, it, what the miracle was that Jesus did, how incredible it was, they said, look at here. He needs to be our king. They were about to take Jesus and force him to be their king, but for the wrong reason. The situation was escalating. Why would Jesus tell his disciples to get into the boat and to leave? Why not have them stay by his side? He often was with them. The only, most of the time you find Jesus taking off to be by himself when he was going to go pray. But in this situation, Jesus tells his disciples to immediately get into the boat. I don't believe the, uh, the disciples knew or observed that danger was on the horizon. I don't believe they knew it. I don't think they saw what was happening with this group of people, the mob. I told you that it's not good for some people to be in a mob scene because all they'll do is start participating and say, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Throwing rocks through windows. What's happening? Throwing another rock. Turning cars over, setting fires. Don't even know why they're rioting. But they'll be out there making and doing all types of chaos, making chaos, and don't even know the reason why. And this is what we are looking at possibly here as this group sees the miracle that Jesus has done and their bellies filled. They are about to take Jesus and make him king, the Bible says, by force. Now what Jesus does, he tells his disciples, you go. And get into the boat and go to the other side. What was the issue that these individuals were looking at? You see, they were under Roman rule. They were not liking Roman rule. They didn't like being under Rome's rule. And so they thought, huh, if this man with this type of power that we have observed, how incredible he is, can be the king. He can overthrow the Roman, Roman government and we can be free of them. And so you've got to realize they probably had a few Barabbases in the group. You've got to realize that they had a few troublemakers in the group, quite possibly. And they're going to come. Now, the disciples are possibly sent away because, one, it is possible that they would have felt the need to protect Jesus or to fight on his cause. That's possible. But there seems to possibly be more of an, an, another reason, a different concern. They were vulnerable to joining the mob and saying, yes, Jesus, why don't you become king? And they would have sided quite possibly with the group. And Jesus could not have that. They were in a vulnerable state. So Jesus sent them away and he alone deals with the crowd. And the crisis that's brewing. We see in this act Jesus' protection of the disciples. And at the same time, we see him sending them right into the midst of a storm. Jesus sends his disciples 
to the other side right after there has been a great miracle. Do you not know that some of your greatest trials will come in life right after you have experienced your greatest success? You will be tried sorely right after you have had, a, as I've said before, a mountain top experience. Right when you have made the decision to serve God and say, ain't nothing going to turn me back now. Something comes and it hits you hard. And you don't figure, and you have no way of knowing how am I going to get out of this. And so right at the point when you are feeling strong in the inmost being and you have made a decision to go on, you're hit with a major problem. And it tries your faith. If Jesus was not focused, if he didn't remember the reason why he came, if his mindset was not set right, he would have taken the challenge and said, yes, I'll be the king. Let's overthrow Rome. I've got enough power. I'll throw a few fireballs at him, and that should get him out of town. <laughs> Jesus does not forget the reason, and he will not be swayed by man's, uh, man's political agenda. You can't sway Jesus to do something that's outside of his will. So the disciples, after seeing this great miracle, after having been with Jesus, and after, after seeing all that he does, he sends them away. Point number two, the need for prayer. I already know I'm not getting to my third point, so we're going to just deal with point two and end and come back next time I'm on, on the scene. We'll pick up and do part two. <laughs> Matthew 14, 23. This is what it says. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when the evening came, he was there alone. The need to pray. We rarely hear the words of Jesus when he prayed alone. But something that we also um, never hear is Jesus complaining when it's time to go pray. You cannot point out in the Bible that I'm aware of a time when Jesus complains, oh, it's time to go pray. We don't hear Jesus doing that. You don't hear him complaining when the crowds are coming. Even though as tired as he may have been, he meets the need. And now he dismisses this group. Now the Bible does not say the words that he used to dismiss the group. Whatever he said was enough to get them to quiet down, not to cause any further problems, and not to make them king. He, he had to say something that was so convincing. And then he goes to pray. As I was looking at this, I, 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 noted, just, I noted four things about this one verse. Four things that stuck out for me. As I was reading, I was looking at this. One is... I'm going to give you the four and then just briefly elaborate. When I read this and I was pondering, I said, there, we see that the place of his praying, the place of his praying, number two, the person involved in the praying, number three, the time of his praying, and four, the solitude in his praying. Now first, the, the place of his praying. After he dismissed the disciples and the crowd, 
he went up to the mountain to pray. We note that in Matthew 5, chapters 5 through 7, we have the Sermon on the Mount. He went to the mountain and he sat down and began to teach his disciples and the people that were there. So we note that Jesus often would go to the mountain. He would go to solitude or solitary places in order to be alone. We often see Jesus having a place that he found that he could be alone without distractions. I imagine that somewhere sometimes in these mountains he had a favorite place that he would go to. So once the crowd had been dispersed and the danger averted, he now has time to possibly grieve the death of John the Baptist. Don't forget, remember, John had been beheaded. The disciples had come back. And the Bible says that when he was told by John's disciples that he had been killed, the Bible says that Jesus left that place. But as soon as he got to the other side, he didn't even have time. So I'm assuming that when he went to the mountain, that it was possibly a time of reflecting on John the Baptist to grieve his loss of his relative, his forerunner. He also has time to spend with his father in worship and the needed strength to continue the journey that he was sent to do rather than being swayed to take a different course from the crowd that was wanting to make him king. He could make sure that he was focused. Sometimes prayer helps you to focus on the goal that God has given you to follow. So Jesus needed to be alone so that he could remain focused and not be distracted. Number two, the person involved in the praying. It was Jesus who prayed. I'm convinced that we really do not grasp the significance of Jesus praying while in his human, his human body on earth. I don't think we understand that while Jesus was on the earth, he was human. And at the same time, God, and he felt the need and he felt the responsibility to pray. Jesus knew the importance of prayer and he did not minimize the need to be in prayer. Weakness in life can sometimes be attributed to a weak prayer life. You hear me? I said weakness in life can sometimes be attributed to a weak prayer life. Satan made Jesus his number one priority when Jesus is on this earth. I've told you Satan can only be in one place at one time. His demons are all over the place, but they cannot be multiple places at the same time. There's enough of them to be various places, but they are not omnipresent. Omnipresent means present at the same time. Only God has that quality. That he can be present everywhere at the same time. Jesus needed to spend time with his father as the, as the demands were not only high on him from Satan, but from the people. Can you imagine having people always wanting to pull and tug at you because every time they touch you, healing power comes out of you? Can you imagine that every time someone touches you, virtue comes out? Jesus needed to be 
He needed to have time to go spend with his father. He needed time alone, the person involved. Number three, the time of his praying. After ministering throughout the day in healing, it was now at the end of the day, the close of the day, where he felt the need to get away. He felt the need to get away. The Bible says that it was in the evening that he was there alone. In the evening. This is the time that Jesus was able to have some solitude. Sometimes you need to just turn people away and say, you know what? I need about 15 minutes. I'll be back out in about 15 minutes. I need to just go spend some time with the Lord. I need just to, I need just to, would you give me a few minutes? This time, this uh, time for many and, and, and winding down, this time for Jesus and winding down for others, they figure it's time for me to go sit down and relax, kick up my feet, and have some Kool-Aid for some. And others, it's some other liquid beverages. Some people feel that at the end of the day, it's not a time to wind down, but it's a time to go put on my best duds and go out on the town. It's a time to go out and to partay. Not party, partay. But Jesus found in the evening the need to go spend time with his father. This is the only time that he now has because he has been swamped and inundated with so many And point four that I'm going to end with today and pick up point three the next time is the solitude in his praying. The solitude. Being alone does not mean that you are alone. Jesus did not have all of the distractions of people around him, but he was able to be with his father. I am convinced that solitude and prayer is a good thing oftentimes. There is a time for corporate prayer, but there is not the time for solitary prayer all the time. There is a time for all things. Some people say, I always pray by myself. I don't feel the need to go pray with nobody else. No, no, you need to go pray with other people at times, but you need some time alone. Jesus felt the need to be in a place where he could be away from everyone and there could be solitude. He could have solitude in his praying. Now, I I say this as I bring this part of the message, part one, to a close, just because of the time that that it is. You see that that in, in the will of God, there's times when you have to go out into the very midst of the sea, and we're going to look at that next time, that in the midst of the storm does not mean you are out of God's will. Sometimes it is in the midst of your prayer that you get renewed in your body. You get renewed in your spirit. Lord, thank you for confirming that I am in the will of God. I was thinking because of all the things that were happening that somehow I must have moved out of your will. But I have to imagine that in his solitude, with the distractions away, he is now able to focus once again on that relationship that he has with his father. I tell you people, we need, we need to take note of what Jesus did. 
He, he always thought this time to be with his father. He always felt the need to be a way to be re- regenerated and to be rejuvenated and to spend time before the Lord in prayer. People that don't pray are oftentimes very, very weak. And at the moment when you think you are strong, be careful lest you fall. You see, when you think that you're standing, you've got to be careful because the enemy will craft a test just for you. And those, those tests requires you to be in prayer. And I've got to imagine that when, the, when Satan came to Jesus at the beginning of his ministry, after 40 days of not eating and being upon that mountain, that must have been a hard time for him. You've got to recognize that the enemy is crafting things for you. It is tailor-made. So why do I keep falling in the same thing over and over again? Because that's where the enemy knows your weakness is. And so the Lord himself finds solitude and finds ah, in the solitude a time of refreshing. Because he can be with his father to continue the journey to the cross. That's his mission. Don't care what the world throws at you. You can be president. Jesus, I don't want to be president. That's not why I'm, why I'm here. You, you can be king and, and help free us. I'm not here to be that type of king. Because remember, the disciples had already said he was king. But he won't shortchange you because he had you in mind when he came here. And if he had taken a different route, you would not be given the opportunity to be with the Lord in glory. So he would not shortchange you. So he felt the need to spend time in prayer. My final statement here. With all the distractions away and all the things that seems to grab your attention, How often do you find solitude with the Lord? How often do you find that time just to go be with him in his presence? After all the activity has happened, to spend some time with Jesus. Bow your heads, please. Lord, today we are grateful as we have seen on the horizon the the people wanting To make you king by force. And then you in your mighty wisdom sending your disciples away. Protecting them. Helping them. Guiding them. Knowing what they are prepared to be able to handle. And then speaking the word that dissipated a crowd that was frenzied. After they knew what you had done and yet been able to steal them, quiet them down and send them away without any further trouble. And then to go to the mountain to possibly grieve with, for your relative, to be with the Lord, the God Almighty of heaven and earth, your father. To be renewed in your spirit that I came for this purpose and I'm here to complete the goal. We honor you today, Lord, and we bless you. Now, in our hearts today, may we treasure that quiet time with you.
May we, may we, we, we ponder the time that we have and look at what can I do to spend that quiet time with my Savior, to be renewed and strengthened. We love you today and we praise you. And as we look at next time, the next incredible things that you did, help us to be open to all that you're doing in our lives. That even in the midst of a storm, you are watching. We love you. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen.